What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosen here with another episode of Off the Bench. We're here today with Chris Gehring, Ryan Dizier, and we'll have two special guests for you. First up is the play-by-play voice of the Capital City Go-Go, and much more than that, Megan McPeak is with us <laughs> as she giggles. And then on the other side of this interview, we have an interview with Karan Butler, Jamoke Davis, and Carrington Simons about uh, Mighty Metal Sports Network's new documentary on Karan Butler. It's called Seeing is Believing, the Karan Butler story. And we'll go, it's really an interesting uh, interview, kind of the behind the scenes. It's about Karan's life. Uh, they dive into some stuff. It's been uh, in the in the works for a year now, and it's coming on real soon. So um, before we get to that, guys, uh, honestly, the most exciting announcement, those are exciting announcements, but the most exciting is that Bradley Beal is an all-star reserve for the second straight season, which is awesome. Uh, I know that we all kind of figured he was going to make it. We thought maybe he had a chance to be a starter, um, but the voting didn't go his way. Kemba's well-deserving of it. It's going back to Charlotte where they're hosting it. But, uh, you know, I don't think anyone's surprised, but what do you guys think Brad did to set himself apart? Megan, we'll start with you. Um, I think when you look at what he's been able to do in the absence of John, you, I mean, numbers, they're not going to lie. You can easily just Google his numbers and take a look at it and see what he's done. I'm talking about the intangibles that don't show up on the stat sheet. What he's doing with the locker room, what he's doing off the floor with the guys. He's stepping into the leadership role, and that's something that we haven't necessarily seen from him because he's always been, you know, the number two to John Wall or the 1B to John Wall. He hasn't had the opportunity for a consistent length of time to really step into that role. Um, so I think that's something that we're seeing. And it's also, too, a point in his growth and professional side of things that I think in previous years when, he, when, when John's been injured and he's had to assume that role, he hasn't necessarily looked like he felt comfortable in it, whereas I think right now he looks like he feels comfortable and he realizes that this is my chance to prove that I am worth the money I deserve because come off season, same time as Anthony Davis – He's going to be a free agent, and a lot of people are already looking at him to want to try and make a trade. But I think that everything he's done numbers-wise, it would be silly for the coaches not to vote him in. And I I personally think that um, getting voted in by the fans is great, but when it comes down to the coaches and your peers, the other 400 guys in the league or 399, voting you in as a reserve to me would mean more because it means that you're seeing what I'm doing the fans is just a popularity vote. Mm-hmm. Like Kemba, Kemba has balled out. Don't get me wrong, but do you think that if it wasn't in Charlotte, he would have got voted in as a starter? I don't think so. Yeah, I think the other thing too is that he has, you know, he's been able to both take the leadership role and know when to defer. He's his his ability as a as a complete player has completely grown in maybe these last two years or so I think definitely because of the opportunity that John being out has provided for him um, but I also think too that you know last year I think going into last year we were like okay this is probably the year that Bradley makes this step where he will be considered for an all-star be an all-star all that and that that happened and then this year I think at the beginning of the year it's like okay Bradley Beal is an all-star guard in this league and then over the last like month and a half two months we've been like and, and others around the league, which I think is impressive for him too, given the amount of star power in the league right now, others have been like, wait a minute, he might be the best, like he might be the best shooting guard in the East right now. Like he might 
not even might he he deserves to start the game and so all the factors you know played out the way they played out he wasn't a starter but I, I was impressed with the way that he performed in the uh, player vote. I think he did pretty well, mm-hmm. and, and he just gets that. He gets the credit from, like you said, the the people who really matter. If you're him, it's his peers and the fellow coaches. So, yeah, I mean, he he deserves it. He's he's really put this team on his back more times than one, and I and I think on the floor, off the floor, he's just um he's really grown in these last two years by leaps and bounds. I mean. He's grown throughout his entire career, don't get me wrong, but he's taken some big, big leaps, and this team has needed it really badly. It's, it's come just in time. Yeah, and I think you touched on it um, really well, Megan, about just what he's doing, this not showing up in the box score, just impacting on defense, getting guys open, things like that, and then also just the consistency, I think, is the thing that I've kind of been most impressed with. If you look at his game logs, it'll 26 points, 27, 25, 28, 30. He's just every night he's making an impact and doing things that are helping the team uh, be in a position to win. I think that his peers have started to notice, the fans, the media, everyone's starting to take notice. And, um, I mean, it's the second year he's really elevated his game in the absence of John. But I think the consistency um, from a scoring perspective and then just also all the other things he does to positively impact the game has been obviously a major contributor to um, second straight all-star appearance. Brad finished January averaging 27.6 points, 5.6 rebounds, and 6.1 assists per game on the month. I think that's easily his best month of his career. No um, at one point he was you know near 30. Uh, he scored at least 20 in every game but one in January. Uh, I mean, he could win East Player of the Month. It's going to be tough with some of the competition, but I mean, I don't know what, what is left to say about him, but I, I do like what you said, Megan, about his leadership in that aspect, because he was one of the reasons I think the Wizards were able to, to turn around from that bad loss Tuesday and then Wednesday against Indiana. You know, after the game Tuesday, he said, We didn't show up. This isn't like we can't expect to win. It doesn't matter who we play. If we don't play with that effort, nobody's a walk in the park. You know, he talked about how he was going to talk to Troy about that last play. Um, but when we look at like, what happened going from Cleveland to Indiana and everyone's like, how do the wizards lose to the Cavs? And the next <laughs> night, how do they beat the Pacers so convincingly? Give us a, a little insight on, on, on your thoughts on that. So, and kind of to tie back into what you said, Zach, about his numbers, the biggest number that stood out to me was the six assists mm-hmm. because in the game Wednesday versus Indiana and the game against Cleveland Tuesday night, both first quarters, he was looking to facilitate first. And that's something that you don't necessarily see from him on a consistent basis. So I think that has shown the growth that he's made, that he realized, like, I can get mine. The league knows I can get mine, but I need to get the other guys involved because if I'm not getting mine tonight and I don't have it going, which we've seen sometimes, he'd rather have the other guys in rhythm and in motion early on so that they are then not put under pressure. Um, But to your question about bouncing back, I think it took a lot for a guy of Brad's magnitude right now to accept what Coach Brooks did um, in not putting the starters back into the game to close out after uh, a couple G League guys, a guy like Sam Decker who's bounced around and hasn't had the NBA career that a lot of people thought he was going to have in college with the way that he shot it, Um, and Thomas Bryant who has, as we all know, think he should be in the Rising Stars Challenge, but again, Team USA's roster is packed and it's hard to say who does he go in for and who do you take out. Um, 
so you look at what they were able to do and that Brad's comments set the tone going into Wednesday's game versus Indiana. If your leader can accept that, yeah, we walked into that game and underestimated them and they quite frankly whooped our butt and we, we have to deal with that. If he can accept that, that sets the tone because now you have a guy like Otto Porter, Jeff Green, Troy, Jordan, they can't change their attitude because if Brad's accepting what happened, we have to accept what happened and move on and we have to play better. So I think his leadership in that moment said a lot. Um, and I think he accepted what Coach Brooks did and that forced the rest of the team to accept what Coach Brooks did. And Coach Brooks after the game was very frank with it. Like, no, they deserved and they earned to be in that game and I'm gonna close with them. I think if that game went into overtime, um, we probably might've seen maybe Brad go in to begin overtime it wouldn't have shocked me if Coach Brooks still rode with those guys and that yeah. same five unit. Um, but I think at, at this stage as a professional, you have to just forget the night before and move on and realize that the way that you performed against a team that had 10 wins coming into that game, whether you underestimate them or not, there should have been no reason on paper without Kevin Love and without Tristan Thompson that the Cleveland Cavaliers should have at all been in that game when you look at the rosters on paper. So you have to accept that you didn't perform, forget about it, and go into the Indiana game with a no Victor Oladipo and a team that prior to the injury was contending in the East. You have to prove that the Cleveland game was not who you are and will not be who you are going forward. So they did that, but now they have to continue to do that because now you have Giannis coming up. <laughs> yeah. First look at Giannis this season coming up on Saturday. Yeah, I, and the other thing too is, as Brad has talked about a lot in post games, win or lose, that that hole that you know that seven game hole to get to five hundred or whatever it is now, that still exists, and I think they're they're all very aware of that. And I agree with you. It, it's it was a it was a tough pill to swallow for him, I'm sure, to not play in that Cleveland game, and I know he was frustrated with the whole game. Um, but it is it is it's a good leadership moment. It's a it takes a big person to be like, look. I had 30 minutes to figure this out, and, and it didn't happen. Um, so the Indiana game was a great example of how maybe maybe getting back right back out there with no rest and that thing fresh in your mind, it seems like it's worked for this team multiple times this mm -hmm. season. Certainly did after the Golden State game. They got out and uh, beat Orlando the next night. Um, it's just, you know, there are just a lot of things about this team that – I think the inconsistency has frustrated them a little bit, but the way that they have been able to respond at times is also encouraging. And so we'll figure that out, and I, hopefully they'll continue to kind of work through that as they um, go on in the season. But, yeah, Milwaukee coming up, it's certainly, um, you know, the tests do, do not stop. And as we know in this league, as they've said after the Cleveland game even against a bad team, um, you know, you can lose any night um, fairly yeah. easily. Um, it doesn't take a lot. Um, so we'll just have to see. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that it's uh, that old um, adage that people say about cornerbacks in the NFL and how you have to have a short memory and like the great ones can forget about bad plays and even good ones too. And I think that just throughout the duration of the NBA season, it's 82 games, and you're going to lose some games that you pr should win and you're going to win some games you should lose. And I think that um, for the team to bounce back and rebound after what was – for all intents and purposes, a very bad loss in Cleveland and come back on nationally uh, a nationally televised game against a very uh, tough Indiana team, even without Vic, kind of speaks volumes about where this team uh, might be headed. And we talked about it after the Orlando game last week about how that was an ugly win, but they got it done. And, you know, you're going to have games like that. And you're going to have games where you need to make a statement. And 
feel like the game against Indiana with a lot of people watching could certainly be a galvanizing, maybe statement win. But with the way that the schedule goes and, you know, going back to the the mindset of not getting too high, not getting too low and a, a quick memory. I mean, what you did the game before doesn't really matter as soon as the next game starts. So with these tough teams coming in with Milwaukee and, you know, teams down the line, we play Toronto again soon. I think just staying, taking everything game, one game at a time. And, you know, Brad is kind of exemplifying that and being the leader. And I think people are going to follow suit. You mentioned uh, some of those guys that brought the game back against Cleveland and then against Indiana also had pretty solid games. Chase and Randall was in double figures for the third time in five games. Jordan McRae was in double figures for the second straight game after essentially not playing any games for the Wizards all season, even as the two-way guy. Um, Megan, obviously you've spent a lot of time watching these guys play this season, especially Jordan. Um, I'm just curious what like when he went into the game against Cleveland or even against Indiana in competitive minutes and what he they needed him did you expect him to rise to the occasion or did you think his dominance in the G League was cuz he was in the G League like do you think he's back from this injury so Jordan's an interesting an interesting topic because like you said he quite frankly dominates the G League uh, much like Marcus Thornton does because they're NBA guys um Jordan People forget that he was part of that Cavs championship run. Like a defensive um, stopper. On yeah, and did he play heavy minutes every single night? No. Um, but when he was put into those games, he made sure that he had an impact, whether it was scoring, whether it was de- defense, whatever it may be. He knew that he had to prove himself in limited minutes and in specific minutes uh, during that championship year. Um, and you were playing with a guy in LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, so you're going to learn. Um, and I think people forget about that when they see him play uh, because he's in the G League and they look at that or can look at that as it's a demotion when you should be looking at it from the standpoint of if he just sits at the end of the bench on the Wizards in, in games, how many minutes is he getting? He's not going to get many. If they don't have the G League, if you take the G League away, there's going to be guys just literally sitting at the end of the bench in suits or in their warm-ups, not playing. And then when you do need them because guys aren't getting it done or there's injuries or foul trouble, they don't have any experience. Um, so I think when it comes to Jordan, I'm not shocked at the fact that he was able to go five for five in eight minutes in an NBA game in an arena that he's played in. Mm-hmm. Um, so he knew the rims. He's played at the queue. That's nothing new to me. Um, And then to be inserted early on in the game against Indiana, again, not a shock to me because he's an NBA caliber player and he's proven that for me when it comes to Jordan, I just think he needs to realize what his role on an NBA on an NBA team is going to be and try and figure out how to play that way and dominate when he has his time in the G League. And I think his time in those minutes against Cleveland and against Indiana is going to give him some some insight into doing that. And that also falls on both the coaching staff for the Go-Go and the coaching staff for the Wizards on working with him on those things. Like, this is what we need you to do because this is your role mm-hmm. when you're with the Wizards. And I think he's old enough and has a veteran mindset that will allow him to adapt. Um, and that's some of the adaption that we've seen from Devin Robinson in a short period of time as well this season. So Jordan doing what he did against Cleveland and then playing against Indiana, it didn't shock me. Um, It was just 
everybody's been waiting for when Jordan McRae is going to get his time, and he finally uh-huh. did, and he proved why he should have been on the floor. And Coach Brooks said after the Indiana game, you know, when Jordan plays defense, he's a an NBA player, and I think he was very blunt about it. He said, you know, he when he plays within his game, which I thought he did the last two days, like he's he's going to earn minutes, and it seemed like that was kind of the concern more so. But, you know, I, I think – you can concur that he's played pretty solid defense in the mm-hmm. G League. I mean, they play good team defense at the yeah. go-go. Which is what I was going to get to you next is because last night after the game, I asked him, I said, did you talk to Pops and Jarrell um, about, you know, what was going on? He said, you know, we talk all the time. Like, those are my guys. I love those guys. I watched the go-go game earlier in the game, earlier in the day on Wednesday. Um, but I know that you helped with my article that came out this past week about the go-go and how they've connected with the wizards and developed all these guys and dealt with all this craziness but from your perspective just you know uh quick synopsis i know you could go a while about <laughs> you know, the success of this program down there but in your own words like what has been so successful with the culture down there the fact that coach christian and and even when you look at pops it starts with pops and him giving control to Jarrell when it comes to coaching. Because Pops realized I have to orchestrate what they're doing and give him the pieces, but he has to then be the conductor of what we want to do. Um, and then from there, it came to Jarrell giving control to assistant coach Damian Cotter um, to do what he does when it comes to building culture. That's something that Damian loves doing no matter where he is, whether it was back when he was overseas in Sydney. Um, his time earlier in the G League when he was with Long Island, he, he's big on building culture. So I think the fact that they dealt with that early on um, with the team, it set a tone and it set a precedent of what we're going to do going forward. And the bumps on the road that they've dealt with, whether it's injuries or, um, you know, guys just it's, – it's egos because you're de- dealing with different personalities, um, a new head coach, a new GM learning the ropes while – their foot is to the fire Um, and then you take into consideration that you have to deal with two-way guys going back and forth and assignment guys going back and forth so the amount of moving parts that you have to deal with in the G League and they've just withstood every single punch that has been thrown at them you look at that three-game road trip that they went on early on to start off January you went 3-0 on the road with an eight-man rotation yes you needed overtime in every game but you went 3-0 on the road with an eight-man rotation and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you only had one two-way guy in Jordan McRae. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can do that, that says a lot about the culture that you've built because you've, with, you, you've, you've put the trust in the guys who are not going back and forth, your two-ways and your assignment guys. You've put the trust in the other guys, the guys that don't always get talked about, the Kellen Dunhams, the Pishon Howards, the Isaiah Armwoods, Darrell Poyers, those guys that don't get talked about all the time because they're not on the Wizards roster you put your trust in them and they got it done. So now they've got the experience on how to handle when Troy's not around, when Devin's not around, um, when Jordan's not around, Gary Payton's not there anymore, but now you add in John Jenkins. Like you, you're putting so many extra pieces and you're plucking them in and taking them out and they've been able to withstand it. Do they have bumps on the road? Yes, they, and Jarrell will tell you this, they have terrible starts absolutely terrible when it comes to the first quarter but they get it done in the second quarter and the third quarter is usually their dominant quarter and then they close out in the fourth but again it's tough to do it and going up against a team in the 905 who literally had their entire roster with the exception of not having one of their NBA guys 
it's tough to do that on the road when you have eight guys and you've been dealing with that for a couple of weeks. At some point, fatigue is going to catch up, and I think that's what caught up to them. And it's a morning game, and it was <laughs> below minus a thousand in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. But the but the culture and Zach, you wrote a big piece about the GoGo as well. Just recently, it's on the GoGo website. It's on the Wizards website. If you're listening to this and haven't read it, you should read you should read it. But the thing that stood out to me too is when you talk to guys like Chasen, who now has a guaranteed contract for the rest of the season. He talked about how exactly that that culture. When you come in and out of the team, the guys that do do that, the guys mm-hmm. that had to come back and forth, they understood that when they came back, that this is what's expected of you. And I th- and that helps them, too, when they get to the NBA level. I mean, the, the development part, and Pops and Jarrell talk about that, too, the win or lose, they really are focused on developing these guys. And I don't know about I – don't, I don't know all the history and how things have gone this year for the G League in relation to other NBA teams, but the fact that – Troy has gotten better this season. Chasen came up and earned a contract. Mm-hmm. And then Jordan was able to step in after not playing in the NBA for, for quite a while. Um, it speaks volumes about the way that these guys have been able to lead um, and not, not only lead and develop a good culture of winning, but really do their other job, which is to get guys ready for the Wizards, and they've done that. Right. Um, I think better than probably anybody could expect in year one when and you're when you're trying to build everything at once. And they're not just developing them on the floor. They're they're right. making a concerted effort to develop to develop them as men. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you guys know, just from getting to know me, my only other experience with an NBA team and franchise has been the Raptors in the 905, mm-hmm. who, for me at least, set the blueprint of what you do with your affiliate. Yeah. Fred VanVleet, Pascal sure. Siakam, Jakob Purtle. Yep. are perfect and prime examples. And Fred is probably, at this point, along with Quinn Cook, the poster child of utilizing your G League affiliate. He went from going undrafted to beating out one other guy in preseason with the Raptors for the final spot on that roster to going back and forth between that team and the 9-5, winning a G League championship in the same year, to then getting a contract and going in and out of the starting lineup because Kyle Lowry's injury. That is what you use your G League affiliate for, and now the Wizards have the opportunity to do the exact same thing, and they're utilizing it as opposed to just what some teams unfortunately do, stuff guys in the G League and just leave them there. That's why the Raptors did it, because of Bruno Caboclo, because they were sending him to different teams, and he wasn't playing. Mm -hmm. You get your own team. You now have control of what your two-way players and your assignment guys are doing. Yeah. It's a huge advantage, and they're they're the greatest example of how it's paid off, and people talk about all the time how they invest in talent and they look at it as a long game and it's paid off for them i mean it's it's paid off in all kinds of ways i mean obviously yaka is not there but look what happens mm-hmm. i mean yaka was an important part of, of a piece that eventually got them Kawhi leonard as an organizational structure yeah they've done an excellent job and still obviously now they still have a good team in the g league that just continues to like keep a high level and be able to keep developing guys as they put, put people through that system. And proximity, I don't think it can be yeah. overvalued by any means in this right. in both situations. I mean, and that For was sure. one of the huge reasons the Wizards, you know, had the G League team when they opened a new facility, yeah. a new arena, was we can share a gym with these guys. Exactly. Although they can't practice together, they can, you know, connect and and be able to to be friendly and then the coaching staffs can learn from each other. They can work out together. You know, it's just it, it makes all the sense in the world. Like, why yeah. wouldn't you do it? <laughs> the only team that has a closer proximity between 
the Wizards and the Raptors is Oklahoma City, and their their proximity is literally across the street yeah. from the like that's it's literally us and then the theater across the street from Cap One. That's the yeah. OKC in the blue. Um, so they're the closest to their G League affiliate, but still utilizing it is what the biggest thing is. Well, uh, well, just one quick thing before we get to the Quran review was John Jenkins now with the Wizards mm-hmm. on a ten-day contract. Just uh, what can you tell us about him? I know he's one of the top shooters in the G League. Yeah, he's a he's a G League vet. He's a basketball vet. He, when you look at what he can bring to you, I mean, yes, they're G League numbers, but nearly twenty-five points a game, nearly four rebounds and four assists. But it's what he the intangibles that you don't see in the stat sheets, how he sees the floor, what he can bring to you. Um, defense is kind of where he drops off a little bit. Most, unfortunately, point guards tend to struggle on the defensive end. But he's a bigger point guard. Um, I wouldn't say he's as big as Brad or John, but he is bigger than most that you would see at that position. And I think just bringing in that mindset in his court vision, similar to what we saw from Gary Payton with the way he was able to facilitate the ball, um, only thing that kind of you look at is just his athleticism. He doesn't, he's not as quick as a Gary Payton, not as strong um, or built the way that Payton was built. But again, you're bringing in another guy that is going to be able to see the floor. He's going to be able to give Brad some rest. Um, and some of the young guys can also learn from him too because he's been up and down, back and forth, kind of all over the place. But he's fought through it and continued to fight through it. So you can also have him a good guy in the locker room. John Jenkins, former first-round pick by the Hawks, actually played in Team USA a few months back with Chase and Randall under Jeff Van Gundy, which is an interesting connection. Um, I know that it, it always helps to know someone. Gary Payton played in the G League with Thomas Bryant, mm-hmm. so that was a good connection for them. But, you know, sometimes these guys come in here, they don't know yeah. anybody, and yeah. they're not here long. Like Ron Baker knew Chase in, luckily, so – Jason knows everybody, he's, apparently. He's supposed to be the guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah. He's the guy. Well, Megan, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're going to get to the interview on the other side of this with Karan Butler about his new documentary um, by Monumental Sports Network. It's called Seeing is Believing, the Karan Butler story. It's going to be awesome coming soon. Um, and looking forward to hearing that interview. I was there for it, but I want to listen to it again because a lot of the stuff they're talking about, I was like, wow. Like, Everyone like has heard Karan Butler's story, maybe read the Players' Tribune article, but there's so much more to it when he goes in detail. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a, as a fellow Wisconsinite, Karan has always been one of my guys. So, <laughs> All right, everyone. On the other side of the break, Karan Butler. What's up, everybody? Jamoke Davis here with none other than Karan Butler, former Washington Wizard. As we're talking about seeing is believing the Karan Butler story that is now on Monumental Sports Network and also Carrington Simons, who is the brains behind us doing this documentary. It was a really big deal for us to get this out in the space and also to show uh, of the full story of one of the best alum that I've been able to know because when I started here, 2006, you a year or two playing for the Washington Wizards, so it's like the beginning. We're growing up together, so I appreciate uh, kind of coming full circle now to have you here uh, post-career as we get to tell your story. Uh, I grew up on Karate. I've been here since 2006. You didn't here before me, but you know. Yeah, yeah, you was here though, uh, man. I was here. You was, I was here, here for the years. Yeah. You've been here. Them, them years have been good. As it became the district of Karate, yes. as we saw the piece, and, and also just living with you, what has it been like for you to see your story as we are telling it. Uh, you know what, it's been amazing. Just, uh, you know, reflecting on a lot of memories and 
like the raw cuts of everything, right? So you kind of forget things because you're doing them, and then you mm-hmm. don't get a chance to really look at your highlights. But as I got the chance to look at some of the highlights and reflect, man, we had some special moments here. And you talk about the District of Quran and that whole process and how it came about and how how I hit my stride with getting my name from Coach Eddie Jordan and getting my opportunity for from uh, Ernie Grunfield and uh, getting welcomed, you know, and received with open arms by this fan base, you know, that's second to none. And I always hold that 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 close to my heart. So it was just, it was crazy. My, my wife probably cried two times. Why, no, I'm, 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 not, I'm not playing, bro. <laughs> no, it was so real. Look, so look, I hit him. I yeah, said, yo, my wife, I said, so, yo, she's, she's emotional right now, bro. Yo. And, and, and I didn't know how to take that at first. You know, I was like, yeah. all right, so wait, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I said, it's a good thing. I, and he kept saying, like, what do I, like, was it good? I said, I said, bro, I sent him a check. Like, you know, I like, yo, you 100. Like, yeah. it's, it's perfect, man. Everything hit. And the, the storyline of everything just, it was right on point. Mm-hmm. What, when you look back, you know, we're watching you talk about your life and how rough it was in Wisconsin. And now, before we even started this, you're talking about talking with the mayor of Racine. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for getting us an interview with Mark Wahlberg. You're rubbing yeah. elbows with Mark Wahlberg. He's got a movie out about you. How many people, when you go back home, come back to you and talk about how important it is to see you for the city, but just I mean, every day you probably come back and it's like a reunion and, and just, you know, sharing your love with everyone else. Man, it's a feeling like no other. Um, me and um, Chris was just talking about this. At, we was just at the Cigar Lounge and we was just talking about why are certain people anointed or put mm-hmm. in this situation. And I think it's because of generation of prayer. And I don't take that for granted. You know, my family come from the South, picking cotton in cotton fields in Mississippi migrated up north a long time ago and um, I just always think about why me? Why me am I placed on this platform and I know I have to maximize it. I know I have to be authentic in this space and I don't take that for granted. So it's important for me to give the raw uncut story and also connect and be relatable to all my people. You know what I mean? And that's why it's called seeing is believing because you don't know unless you see it. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Like, who can you identify with? When I was growing up as an African-American male in Wisconsin, I didn't see nobody that looked like me, talk like me, vibe like me. You know what I'm saying? Wearing suits and going to work. So mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm, I am what I'm exposed to or what I see visually. And now I see something visually that I can obtain. Like, I can be that. Like, I can play basketball. I can do more than that. I can be more than an athlete, even before the LeBron thing. You know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. I was thinking like that. Yeah. So now you got people feeling like I can be anything. You know what I'm saying? From your yeah. story, because at some some component of this story relates to everyone from all walks of life. Whether you're fighting adversity, whether you're going through the struggle, whether you, you, you're feeling down, you're feeling yeah. up, you know, you need a, a, somebody to balance you out anything if you watch the three parts of it at some point you're going to resonate with it when we actually went to go shoot in racine and uh man we were at um we were at the rec center um and cb was like yo what's the schedule like and i was like all right we're gonna go here go there because literally as soon as we got out the car 
I mean, the city started coming out, right? Like, you start slowly but surely seeing people kind of come out of the blue. I'm talking about the woodworks. Yeah. Um, and city was like, yo, in like 15, 20 minutes, there's about to be 100 people out here. Yeah. Like, quick, easy. quick, quick. And I'm telling you, in no less than 15 to 20 mm-hmm. minutes, you can see just the city kind of coming together. And it's amazing to see, um, you know, just how he's inspired, you know, racing Wisconsin, how he's inspired, um, you know, people uh, of all walks of life. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was that actually seeing firsthand was amazing. Um, and so we had to keep moving because we knew yeah. every spot yeah. we went to, <laughs> we had to keep moving. And that was amazing to actually really see. And, and you know, the love that he has in any city that he goes in, um, it's just amazing. I mean, it's, it's the same thing you see when he's in D.C. Um, but that was one of the crazy things when I, I had never seen that before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it happened so fast. CB was like, yo, hey, we got to get going. Yeah. Like, you, you feel it. And it's because, you know, people connected to you, man. And mm-hmm. what Kay's saying is, you know, real. And the reason why I was okay with entrusting, you know, your content, your life, your story, mm-hmm. your information, you know, in the hands of, you know, Monumental Sports and, you know, most importantly, you know, Kay being behind the project is because, you know, I we have a connection, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I spent a ton of time around him. I know his heart, you know what I mean? And he's always been someone that's been connected with me, you know, where, whether I was in Dallas, where I was in L.A. or wherever, we just always stay in touch and connected. So, you know, when he was just like, bro, I, I, wanna, I got something in mind I want to do, and I think it would be dope. And I was just like, man, bro, yeah. he wasn't lying. Like, he, he, he connected on all cylinders and, it exceeded all my expectations, and I was just, you know, you watch yourself. It's, it's like I know what happened, mm-hmm. but I'm still watching myself because yeah. seeing someone lock everything up in vertical order, it was just amazing to see. All right, so you're watching it over again, and the bath mat story is what really got to me because I feel like everyone knows you, but also – we got to know Andrea from when you were here as a player. So to hear that story about your footprints not being deep. on the bath mm-hmm. mat anymore, yeah. uh, not knowing that you weren't coming back to D.C. again. Um, do you have bath mats in your house now? <laughs> no, I, I, my, my, I've been fortunate enough to have floor heaters. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I don't have to worry about getting traded no more. So like I'm 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 stationary. I'm home now, but that the story was real. The connection was just yeah. amazing to think that that signified <sighs> you leaving and a transition that that was that important to her. People don't understand. I knew I was getting traded. Right? You know, cuz where smoke there's fire and when you have a situation where you're going to have a fire sale of you know the guys on the team I'll never forget, I was in Charlotte, played my heart out, and it was a snowstorm, and we had to actually stay back, and All-Star Weekend was approaching. And the team, you know, our flights was canceled and everything. And I took a car service, and no one knows the story. I left the team early. Uh, Flip didn't know anything. I just, I was like, yo, you know what? I know I'm about to get traded. So I took a car, car service all the way back here to D.C. from Charlotte. And I was in the snowstorm. It took me probably about 15 hours to get here. All the snow and everything, just going through that. And then when I got here, I was able to spend two two days with my family prior to the trade happening. And, you know, I was in the bathroom. And I, and I recall, like, getting myself together once my agent called me and said, hey, it's going to be Dallas. We know it's coming. Get prepared. And I had my stuff ready. So the second I got the call, I was ready to just take off and do the media thing. But this 
when I was thinking about what I was leaving behind and, you know, what we built here, you know, not just from a basketball standpoint, but just the connection with the community, it was just, I was just like, man, mm-hmm. it was just crazy. It was just crazy leaving that space. And, like, even when I came in and I walked down the hall, I see Sashia, you know, like, I got emotional, mm-hmm. you know, immediately. And I seen all the guys and familiar faces and all the staff that does an amazing job here. It was just it was just reflecting in, in real time all over again and taking me back to that moment. So it was crazy. And that's like one of the things I don't know people knew, like while you were here, you were really connected with the, the city. I mean, mm-hmm. like he really, like in the yeah. doc, he talks about how he knew all his kids, teachers and everything like that. I mean, um, at that time, uh, I was running a gym facility in Chantilly and CB used to bike. <laughs> bike <laughs> every, every day, every, every day. And literally bike there, work out in the morning time, come back, go lunch, come back and everything like that. But like, I mean, he was literally connected with everybody in the area. I'm, I'm trying to, I see him at the car wash. Yep. <laughs> this, this is home. I, I never left. I never left DC. Even when guys go home in the summer and you know, you like, all right, let me get away from, mm-hmm. this was home. Yeah. Like I didn't leave. Like I was here, I was here doing things that, you know, I wanted to do, and then all of a sudden it became marketable, like, you know, in the community, help out. But that, I was just doing that because this was home. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt that way. I was going to Berry Farms. I was mm-hmm. going to, you know, whatever community event or Wilson High School or, or anything. Like, whatever I can do, Coolidge, I'm, I'm out here doing clinics. It was just like, man, whatever I can do to spark the brain or whatever to inspire them to be a better version of themselves, that's what I'm doing. You had me going to Bishop O'Connell's, Come St. On, man. John's, Paul yeah, VI oh. doing CB3 awards. That's that what I'm saying, bad. bro. Like, that that's what it's best. about. That was good. Like why, why, like, why get on this platform and not utilize it to the fullest for good? Mm-hmm. That's how I seen it. That's amazing. Bike Brigade. I definitely remember <laughs> that. Was, that was really neat. That was dope. It was dope. It was dope. Why L.A.? I mean, in terms of you, you're moving out there, you invite everybody into your home, camera crews, producers, shout out to Yannick and Will McKinley. They really did a wonderful job. Amazing, amazing were job. there in your home, like just spending time with you. How many times did they make you walk up that mountain? Man, they had to do a couple retakes, but it was nothing crazy. <laughs> they did an excellent job of just like catching the moment and then, you know, just, you know, they did an excellent job of filming that. But, you know, look, it was welcoming to have them there because I knew their heart and I knew what they was trying to capture. And, you know, it, it, it felt right. Everything felt right. So, like, we wasn't somewhere like, all right, we got 10 more minutes. I got, yeah. you know, it was just like, mm-hmm. you, you know, y'all got it? Cool? All right, let's go. Yeah. Um, you go to Mark Wahlberg. How many, how many people you got in your phone? I mean, superstars like Mark Yeah, he up there. He up there. Definitely up there. I, you know, I connected with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, throughout life, and it's not just for opportunities. It's, it's just just your energy. You know, your energy draw you to certain people, and you know, um, I've always stayed connected with people. If I went on the Oprah show when I was first released, and I told my story for the first time in front of a national audience, I always stay close to, you know, Oprah and the producers, where, you know, I said, thank you for having me on the show. She's like, thank you. You told your story. That was amazing for us, ratings and all that. And I was just like, you know, it was just this thank you. I just want to say thank you for giving me this platform. And then you stay connected because you had those relationships. And I did that everywhere I went. Whatever organization I played for, I always went upstairs. 
or I went to the other spots to just create relationships with the people behind the scenes, mm -hmm. the wallpaper on this thing, you know what I mean? Because you see so many folks that get a ton of credit from the GMs, the presidents, and all this, the owners, and they're like in the, in, in the front of everything, but you don't see the people behind the scenes working to make sure that the layouts is okay and you know, that, you know, making your life easier for you to just go out there and perform at a high level. So I always wanted to show that I appreciated them. You know what I mean? Like, I, we even did, like, catered food things. You know, our family did stuff like that for every organization we went to because we just wanted to show our appreciation. So I think that's what it's about. And that's why I'm connected with folks. And it's not, it's not even about opportunities. Like, if I text someone, they don't text back immediately because they know I don't want nothing. Yeah. I'm just saying hi. And that's, and, you know, how you doing? You okay? How your family? You know, and that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's a, that's a special thing. Speaking of a special thing, I know it's been a year in the making for you to yeah. even see this come to fruition. Um, not just what do you think of the final product. I know you're proud of it, but just to like No, he did well, man. Killed it, killed it, killed it. I mean, all of you, y'all yeah, did an amazing you know, job. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the team we had, and, and I mean, I'll be honest with you, when CB first announced his retirement, you know, I picked up the phone like that next hour and was yeah. like, "Big bro, hey, I, I need to do this." Yeah. And you know, CB just being family and always being real with me, said, "Yo, let's do it. You're gonna do it right. Let's do it." And so it's it's been an amazing journey to, um, you know, there's some stuff through his life I didn't know, right? Mm -hmm. So to kind of be able to. Uh, see some of those things and open that book up and that and that story of his life up to everybody. You know, as he mentioned, man, it's it's his life story is one of those that really can inspire you no matter who you are, um, and that's that's different. You don't see you don't see that too many times. There's other people who have, you know, had hard times, but he really had situations where it's like it could have went left, or it could have went right. Mm -hmm. And to see where he started to where he's finished and where he's at now, I mean, it's just an amazing you know, journey, and, and it's been a pleasure and an honor to even be able to tell the story. So, um, you know, it, it's, you know, I'm so excited about it. I can't wait for yeah. everybody to see it. I think, you know, if this don't inspire you, I don't know what will. You know what I mean? It's Honestly. deep. It's deep. Honestly, you know. And, and you've got a book telling your story, too, and Wahlberg's coming out with a movie. Yes. Um, has <clears throat> it started production yet? How close is the book being finished? You have a director's so, chair that's yeah. like Karan Butler on yeah, the movie uh, set? I mean, producer. I'm not doing producer? no directing. I can't mess with that stuff. But, you know, we, we have a short list of directors which we're going to sign on in the very, very near future. And I say very, very near future. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I'm excited about that process because one of the things that you learn in this this business is that Timing is everything, and when you when you're telling your story, you want to get it right. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And you know you don't get no do-overs. It's like meeting someone for the first time, and immediately that's the thing that they remember forever. So when you give the story to the mass majority and to the audience, you know um, we want to we want to change lives. We want to be a game changer in the game, and want to do it right. So it's coming. All right. Well. It's already here. Seeing is believing. The Karan Butler story on Monumental Sports Network. Uh, Carrington Simons uh, really put this together, and we're really yes, happy sir. that it, it's now out there for people to see Karan Butler's story, former Washington Wizards, NBA champion as well with the Dallas Mavericks, now doing a little bit of everything in, in, in a lot of spaces, and we'll make sure to support you with the book, Seeing is Believing as well. Really appreciate you spending some time No problem, brother. Thank you. Right. Yep. Well done, family. You are, no. Ciao for now, everybody.